1: Hello and welcome to Get The Table. We are the Deadly Boys of What Culture. I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick to discuss another burning wrestling issue, and that issue today is the current state of AEW. In fact, we've titled this, The Turning Point Is AEW Over? Because it felt like the real uh, collective turning point on AEW kind of came last night at time of recording. We'll start by talking about it with the announcement of Ric Flair signing a multi-year deal with AEW.
2: Yeah, it did really feel like the turning point, hence the cutesy name for this podcast, which we are recording, by the way, Friday Mm lunchtime-ish, UK time. So, and we're going to release it on Monday, Mm -hmm. I believe, on the uh, YouTube channel. Here's what might have happened since then. Uh, Darby Allin versus Lance Archer might have absolutely kicked ass, and then this conversation could have softened. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's how these things go. And that's how these things work. And they work insidiously. But I think that feeling will stay, hopefully, uh, with a lot of people. AEW had a very... See, they had a simple job in 2019, right? I don't think they booked it very simply, just relatively better than WWE. I think it was like a genuine, at-its-best, masterpiece factory. But they kind of had a simple job. It was really hard to get to, which I'll uh, develop my thoughts on that later. But you just had to not be as terrible and as nonsensical <laughs> and as cynical and evil as WWE was at the time. I think they did a much better job of just simply being better. Again, we'll get to that. But it was the babyface company. That was the whole subtext of the messaging and the marketing and the promotion and this was sort of manifest in multiple different ways. They had a much more relaxed schedule compared to WWE. They did not put them through at the time the house show grind. It was one day a week, one night a week, and that way you got like the hardest hitting, full on pay per view commitment, motivation, action on a uh, on a Wednesday. They said we're going to change the world. They sought initially to recruit and shape a diverse roster of. Talent. Now, it's been very naive to call it the babyface promotion for a long, old time. Look at the state of that women's division in the absolutely criminal lack of representation and parity, and the rest of it. But you know, they gave babyfaces nice times in their hometown. Again, this is the part of it where it's like these are the easy things; these are the open goals, right? You can have the babyfaces get over in their hometown. You can listen to the fans. You can sense that they don't like a certain direction. That's not popular, and you will pivot and thank the fans for shaping the company. Cody Rhodes himself on the Full Gear Go Home 2019 show said, We are the company that listens. They've gone from the listening company in October 2019 to making in November 2019. 2023, the most tone-deaf decision imaginable in Ric Flair. Sometimes I feel guilty when I come on this podcast because I want to provide insight. Like I think my job is to put your finger on it, right? There's no real insight here, but if that makes sense, that is the insight because everyone has the exact same opinion. Ric Flair is a bad person who should not be rewarded um, in the latter stages of his life slash career. He's had enough. He has had enough, and everyone's had enough of Ric Flair. If you can bypass the horrendous conduct alleged um, in his lifetime, he offers nothing. He can't cut a promo anymore. He cannot wrestle anymore. He seems only ever interested in putting over the Ric Flair brand. I cannot imagine him benefiting the younger roster, or really giving a toss about them, quite frankly. It's the ultimate, on every conceivable level, mistake that this company has ever made. It offers nothing. People, they're not desperate. It's not like, oh, Christ, we need a rate, and, you know, the the network's breathing down our neck. Let's do a Legends Night or something. They're not desperate for Ric Flair. It's soft business domestically, but they don't need Ric Flair. Who asked for Ric Flair? Did anyone... Have you ever seen? I could do with a Ric Flair. This could do with one of those absolutely rambling, nonsensical, (laughs) is he okay? Ric Flair promos. Does anyone cry out for that? On every conceivable level, this was a totally and utterly tone deaf move for which AEW got lambasted on social media and deservedly so. And it was the turning point of like, oh, Christ, this is the company that used to get you. This is the company that would create a match graphic and think Tony Khan has personally booked this match for me. I can't believe he has access to my mind. He has booked this for me to then sign 70, what, four-year-old mm. Ric Flair, Spamhead, to a multi-year deal, which, by the way, it, it's not coming out of AEW's pocket. Apparently, most, if not all of it, is um, generated from the, the, the energy drink company. So that is... <laughs> but you know what I mean? That's a wider point, though, because, like... If you're imagining, and again, this is speculation and inference, right? If you're imagining the decision-making process, has the question, well, yeah, we might get some blowback for this, but I like Ric Flair. We might get some blowback, but it's not my money, is it? Mm. Do you reckon that question crossed Tony Khan's mind? Yeah. Because it's not an investment, is it? It's just a, if it goes badly or if I get some blowback, it's not my money, realistically, and they'll forget about it in a month. Who does that sound like?
1: Plus granted, the wheels were probably in motion and it's the way things work with contracts, et cetera, et cetera. But like, he comes out on last week's Dynamite as part of the Sting segment and seems to intimate, I'm going to be along with you for the ride towards the end of your career. Hmm. And everyone goes, what are you doing, Tony? You were the one, quite rightly, calling out Vince McMahon on social media and now you've gone and done this. And then they sign a multi-year contract with him.
3: Yeah. Um, to Sige's point about, did they think, did Tony Khan, I'm not going to say they, did Tony Khan think that, uh, the deal about the energy drink money being he's here, did he honestly think that's going to alleviate any of the concerns, any of the worries? I would say no, but I want to lean on a tweet by the esteemed Brandon Thurston mm-hmm. who was making a point about the latest Tony Khan announcement and it was kind of away from the the usual rouse you get about was it worth an announcement, was it not? The point Brandon Thurston was making was Tony Khan, by saying tickets are on sale, is not necessarily thinking about the, what the fan base wants. He's thinking about getting like some business needs, like using mm-hmm. television time to get the business needs over there. There's a clear difference between how he's supposed to use his announcements for the benefit of the audience rather than just getting your business done. This is the same. and Brutally speaking, this is the same. Him thinking fans will go to the trouble of reading that contract and then going, oh, well, in which case, that's all right then. Assumes that the fans care about AEW's coffers mm. when... Why should they? You know, like, uh, I don't care which bank account it comes out of. The point is, that man is being paid out of one of the accounts, and there is a strong implication through a Ric Flair is all elite graphic. And the fact that he's already been on television is that he'll be there again. It's not Ric Flair and Ric Flair alone that we're no. going to talk about here, nor is it the reason why I think Turning Point is a, like a perfect way to sum up where we're at. But it was certainly the second of a one-two punch off the back of a dynamite that was viewed much in the same it's way. It's not a one-two punch. Well, it's been, all, it's been coming... All year, at least. Well, I think this week has felt different. And I think, like, Ric Flair kind of crystallized this for me. The the Ric Flair news last night crystallized this for me because, and as I say, last night, sorry, we're recording on Friday. Who knows what's going to happen over the weekend. But all year, especially over, like, I would say the last four or five months, um, we've said a lot how everybody who is invested in this promotion emotionally, and in some cases financially, as fans has a different reason for why it isn't working and a different thing they would do, how to change it. And all of them are valid. And that in itself is quite unique. You know, like you think about the downfall of WCW. You think of WWE 2002 to 2022, brackets general. And there's just this like, kind of like shared collective agreement of this sucks and here's why every different argument about why AEW wasn't quite working felt valid. And then for the first time this week, first after Dynamite, and I don't want to, again, I don't really want to pin this on Paul White, but he he again feels like this totem for this particular week's conversation on AEW. That, plus the Ric Flair announcement, is the first time that everybody has felt galvanized of it's gone. Like, it has absolutely gone. Like, you could argue, like, say, months ago, well, look, the buildings are down, so we need to push this person. Or I don't like, you know, MJF's comedy, so that has to go.
2: This pay-per-view
3: build was lackluster. A million of them. All of them valid, because every fan has got a slightly different opinion, but it comes from this place of wanting yeah. the promotion to succeed and wanting the promotion to be better. Um It's why you have disagreements on X in our comment section below this very podcast, where even when people don't like it, the reasons they don't like it are different to yours. So you shouldn't say them, you should say these ones instead. This week was different and it was noticeable how different it was. i have said it on our Dynamite review, which you can still get on our YouTube channel. It felt I could feel it from the wrestlers. I could sense that feeling of like, and again, my, just my perspective of watching it, that even there was a fire that had gone out in the eyes of some of the performers of like, like, where's this story going? What exactly are we doing? Then there are reports of them getting the uh, creative direction mm-hmm. just before they go out or various bits of unrest, which I know we're going to dig into. Mm-hmm. This has felt like the week where no longer is there this scattershot. Here's what's wrong with AEW, and I'm going to explain why in 2,000 words, it's all of us going... Ah, it's, it's gone, isn't it? It's really, really gone. The central agreement around that is the bigger problem than a bunch of, and Tony Carmont like this, granular assessments yeah. of where things have gone wrong. And I think that's much worse. I think... If you poll 100 people and they're giving you 100 different answers, you could argue, well, I just can't satisfy 100 people. I think at this point, everybody would just go in the room and be like, it's a big show on Ric Flair, Tony, and that's a much bigger problem yeah. dealing with a majority voice.
1: I don't really want to go into you know people saying, oh, we're just being negative for negative's sake and what. No,
2: it comes from a place of total and utter despair and passion. <laughs> I do not mind being the mark who says that. I'm desperate for this to be great. Yeah, I, you, I, I, I'm really... Want this to be as awesome as it used to be? This
1: is what I was going to say you were arguably AEW's biggest fan. You wrote a book about it. What's one hundred twenty thousand? What are they? Uh,
2: passionate and insightful words.
1: And where is that available? I, I, I do live in the
2: world. Well, it's available everywhere in the world because you can purchase it right now on Amazon. Becoming all elite, the rise
3: of AEW, but. We have to put a new one in the book hole every day because there's always one's getting sold.
1: Yes. Yeah. But like I say, you huge fan of AEW. Granted, you know, some people may have said that previously, uh, in better times for AEW, we were being uh too hyper-focused on problems. But that's because, as we said at the time, we held it to a higher standard. We wanna we wanted to maintain
2: this company is yeah. a seven-star company when it's at its very best, and mm. I felt nothing like it.
1: So you talked about the fact that, you know, yes. This week, arguably, has been the sort of crystallizing of the point. But it's been g- losing its way for a long time. You talked about a malaise, I remember, uh, on the Dynamite review as well. It's a nice and easy, easy one for you. Where did it all go wrong?
2: Right, okay, I've got a few points to make.
3: Look
1: at this. Got You've a
2: few, few points to make. So That's slow It slows
3: down. It's like when Tony Khan had his full gear card on the back of his file. Yeah.
2: Like, <laughs> I just want to get... This right, you know, yeah. there's a lot of problems. There's a lot to cover, and I just want to make this quite not my definitive take on it, but close to that. Like it's something I'm really cared, I really care deeply about, and I want to get it right. Mm. Uh, so the first point, right, that I want to make is that Tony Khan and the then booking committee of uh, Khan, Cody Rhodes, uh, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks had this unprecedented head start that I would argue no other promoter booker has ever had. The vast majority of pro wrestling promoters, bookers, um, you know, like Cornette and Smoky Mountain Wrestling or whatever, there's a, you know, there's your the odd example mm-hmm. of that, but they've mainly taken over someone's job, right? Uh, even Vince to Vince. Mm-hmm. They've taken over someone so they've inherited, like, agreements, rosters, agreements with promoters, the buildings, and literally everything. They had the unprecedented benefit And I know there was like an infrastructure to sort out and it wasn't just, oh, we can sit by the pool and write some stories for six months and then boom, it's double or nothing. That said, they had the unprecedented advantage of being able to go, right, we've got a bit of a relaxed schedule. I mean, they themselves might say, no, I was busy. Mm, I was busy trying to find a doctor or whatever and I was in over my head. But they've had a long time just even just to draft Mm. into like do the skeleton of this big plan and say, right, how can we get from there to there, this month, this month, and this month? And it was the famous Kenny Omega Twitter header of Jericho, Marks, Omega, Page, which was the poster for All Out. And it was, oh my God, that's the lineage of the champions. So they've had this this design, this grand blueprint to make Hangman Page. And that was the big aim for the first two years of the company. And between January 1st, 2020, the um, homecoming new year show on dynamite or the elite still elite to full gear 2021. Mostly apart from that time, Matt Jackson teased teaming with John Moxley and did some very terrible acting. And there's probably more than one moment like that. Mostly in that 18 month period, like nearly two year period, it was just intoxicating, intricate. The amount of like depth and nuance in the storytelling was unbelievable. Mm. And it was all built from that period where they could write that story. In the week-to-week grind, you just can't do that anymore. So it's never going to be as good because of the soap opera schedule and just the practical way in which pro wrestling is written, booked, produced, worked, executed, whatever. You can never get that again, mm. which is incredibly sad. Like, But it's just kind of the truth. So there should be a natural, like, let's be realistic about the process in which all of this works, right? There's going to be a downgrade in quality because they don't have that initial period where they can just have the WhatsApp chat and that's kind of it. There's no format sheet. There's no Christ, is a Tuesday already. They don't have that anymore, right? The biggest thing in AEW, and there's loads to go through here, and I will say this over and over and over again, is that signing so many talents with this impulsive greed and lack of forethought has, and I know this sounds incredibly pretentious, right? And I've used this phrase before. I hate myself every time I use it. It has broken the narrative ecosystem. I'm sorry. It was so perfect. You had your top guys. You had Marks, Jericho, Omega, Page, Pack, right? And then, this is like the men's singles division, just to color the example. And then you had... Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, and a few others who it's like, they're going to be stars in two or three years' time. Mm-hmm. Let them show something each week, each month. Inspire belief. But you can beat them in the meantime. And when the stars beat them, and there's not that many, so there's not that many egos to appease and all the rest of it, they can just be stars. Mm. And that's how Cody and Jericho, like, Mox in particular, just felt like it's invincible. I will kick everyone's ass, and I will prove that by doing it like every single week. He was like oh, my God, wins and losses matter, and he's an ultimate winner. Tell and you literally how I'm going to do it. Yeah, and exactly. you watch me anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Then you had your Dustin Rhodes and, like, your veteran presences who could also do jobs. Mm. Now, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, right? Malachi Black, Andrade, Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland, Kanosuke Takeshita, who they want to be a big deal. Daniel Garcia, who they want to make into a big deal this year over and over and over again. The analogy... Is if you watch football slash soccer, you can't have nine strikers in a squad. <laughs> you can't, you can't do it. And you can't play a striker in the left centre midfield position and expect to get the most out of them. You cannot have a striker, oh god, what do we do with a star striker? Put him in an eight-man tag. It's, like it's always going to make the fans of that marquee striker who you should be making money out of because you've signed him for 60 million quid or a quarterback or something like that. <laughs> you've got to have eight quarterbacks in a single football team. It's just not how this works. And now because this narrative ecosystem through the greed and the roster expansion is just completely out of sync, does not work in and of itself, doesn't sustain itself at all, it's completely skewed with, you're left with, Everyone who likes that wrestler who's benched that week. All right, sucks because they're not getting used. They're not getting used. I've seen too much of them. Or they can't win that often because logic would then dictate that they have to go for the title. They're not ready for the title. X wrestler, Y wrestler is doing all that. And another thing about this narrative ecosystem, I I again apologize, (laughs) right? Is that, right, how do we use... This wrestler, who I like, but I don't really want him to, you know, be anywhere near the title, so he can't win, but I should use him. Keith Lee can team with Orange Cassidy. So then you get the babyface and <laughs> supergroups that I talked about at length. It's still available on the Dynamite Preview, right? Then you create narrative plot holes in your broken ecosystem that cannot be repaired because you've expanded it way too aggressively. So then you've got Keith Lee, teamed with Orange Cassidy, as did Darby Allen, as did Hook as did, like, um, Eddie Kingston, Penta, because he's obsessed with using all of these talents in these spreadsheety sort of super group. Uh, tags, tags, multi-man tags, tags, tags. That's how I can do it. No one's got Castie's back, right? Look, Nicholas, stay here, right? Okay. Look at this uh, piece of paper, right? I'm trying to do a visual example. You know when you see, like, a diagram? Mm-hmm. Imagine this diagram is entitled Who Has Who's Back... In AEW, right? And you think, right, Orange Casty he should come out if Hook gets beat down um, because they've got each other's back. What if Hook's back? Um, who's got Hook's back? Who's got Casty's back? Well, you know, there was Eddie Kingston. There was Penn. It would just be a massive splodge of ink. <laughs> and a massive splodge of ink just with so many plot holes that they just mm. create endlessly over and over again so that's a point i want to make on point two (laughs) and again like where it'll go wrong for a lot of people okay the broad tonal shift into skits Mm. into comedy into and again the other problem with this narrative ecosystem problem is that because you've got so many stars and you want to You don't want to make them not stars. They're stars. They sell tickets. Air quotes are required. I'm sorry, comment section. Right? Uh, I don't want to beat him, but he's not ready for the title. What do I do? Uh, Interference finish. Interference finish. Interference finish. Uh, I don't want him to lose cleanly. I'm scared. I'm 38 years old, Tony. I'm, I'm going to be okay if my... I've been watching New Japan for years and years and years. They tend to lose cleanly all the time. Why can't you incorporate that and not treat me like a child watching this on Coliseum video? Oh, that bloody heel. <laughs> if only if it wasn't for him, my good, he would have won. I mean, it's pathetic. I'm 38. And this is meant to be the millennial promotion. Yeah. Whether you think that's a good idea or not, whether you think they should be targeting a younger person than me, they should the reality is that they target the millennials. It's the, here's the re- here's the wrestling. It should have been for 20 years. That is the MO of this company, rightly or wrongly. And now they are just doing the same mistakes that all the other promoters for the preceding two decades have done because he's scared of beating people. And then you just get this interference laden schmoz fest. We went to double or nothing this year. How much interference was happening on that show? It was TNA pilled to the extreme. I'm sorry, Hamlet, you can talk
3: now. That's, it, like, it was consensus, possibly the worst non-pandemic pay-per-view, and it was worse than some pandemic shows. We were there and you could feel it. It was badly agented. Uh, on paper, it was badly agented because of the stipulations. Mm. Because, hang on, that like that no-holds-barred sounds an awful lot like a so-and-so. And by the way, this is being headlined by an anarchy in the arena, which in itself is four no-holds-barred matches all at the same time. Like, How have you made these mistakes? And Yeah, like double or nothing... Uh, that weekend feels relevant to the conversation, not just so we can talk about a nice time we had in Las Vegas, but because of the feeling <laughs> that the product was two dollar beers, man. like the product was not hot, uh, and yeah. you could feel it. Like with Dynamite and Rampage and Ring of Honor were there beforehand, and that was a kind of a a chilling experience, literally because the arena got so cold when all the people left. Like it was just a, uh, it was a st- I, it wasn't the uh, presentation of the AEW brand that I was so excited to experience live mm-hmm. for the first time as a Brit before they came over and kind of gave you the old version of it. The SummerSlam 92 comparison continues to be apt. You are watching a product that is kind of freewheeling into a decline that is going to take years to come out of with this 80,000 seat visual yeah. of a reminder of the good old days rather than a reflection of them. <laughs>
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: I uh, I was one of those old men that Cedric spoke about that didn't really want AW to exist. <laughs> I didn't. I loved All In in 2018 and believed more in the idea of if you hate WWE as much as you hate it, right, all these wrestlers and all these places and all these things that you love, and what you don't need is a company. Mm. You don't need another company to rival the market leader like the challenger brand doesn't need to exist in pro wrestling I was proven wrong Mm. over and over and over again I was proven wrong because I was was shown (laughs) well right so like I was shown that it could be done within the framework of a company but why I didn't want it in the first place is ultimately because of where we are now because if you've you think it was doomed from the off yep but I'd said this week after week after week and I was considered an old misery because NXT was getting his ass kicked and I liked that and it just sounded like you know the show I like is getting exposed as being redundant it's redundant redundant, But but
2: shouldn't a pro wrestling Right, and this is a different conversation. Who yeah. just doesn't want to work for WWE? Who has a style that WWE would never get right or really lovingly embrace? Yeah,
3: why can't they do it in front of twenty thousand people? So like, yeah. and like, and I accepted that, but I think it was because there was like because New Japan would find you twenty thousand people, or New Japan plus Ring of Honor could book Madison Square Garden when it was that hot and I just thought like I always felt in my gut the industry was better for WWE being all the way over there and there being all of these different places but like I say AEW function at its best proved me dead wrong Mm. I just thought that like but the reason I thought it is because of where we are in 2023 which is what happens to every single wrestling promotion my... Cynicism slash concerns about AEW's long term success were rooted in the fact that I backed TNA to the hilt and I watched <laughs> yeah, that happen over and over again. Maybe I should have picked Ring of Honor, but it wasn't like commercially that flew either. So I just, it's easier to watch on telly in yeah, England. TNA was like massive over yeah, here. It was and a like challenge next, that it was on. Yeah, challenge. Bravo. Let's hope it becomes that way again. You know, once it, as it as it seems to be having this little moment. But yeah, I think like I just believe that this is ultimately this is the path that even hot streak wrestling promoters. Go on. So I'm less and I'm gonna agree with this point bullet point four. <laughs> <laughs> less surprised by this, but disappointed all the same. Hmm. Um because by twenty twenty one by twenty twenty, to be honest, in the pandemic, uh not only, so Cody Rhodes, I don't wanna like have this go in a different direction, but why I was particularly cynical about Cody Rhodes in twenty nineteen was that the things he was saying I could not correlate with. So hang on, you formed a company to do all these nice things. Like Cidric references the Ellis Island promos, this incredible moment. I was like, it's not Ellis Island, it's, it's it's another WWE. Ellis Island would be doing what he did in Ring of Honor and doing what he did in New Japan as mm. Bullet Club and all of that. Um, by 2020, I was like getting my own American Nightmare shirt. And going, Ellis Island's frigging amazing. Like <laughs> Ellis Island's amazing, and it's located in an empty amphitheater in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm. Like they totally sold me on it. 2021 is the era I lionize in the way this is just February 2020 because in my mind it was the perfect realization of how you do it. The Brian Punk Cole thing shouldn't have been the doors opening for countless more signings because signings made the moment. It should have been Tony Khan as a promoter reading more into what those signings represented. It wasn't new wrestlers equal huge pops, massive rampage numbers, massive YouTube views. It should be like... Those three in particular represented something. Represented Chris Jericho being brave enough to say, "We're going to start beating Raw every week." We needed three or four guys, and we've got them. It was almost bad luck on AEW's part. The three specific names they got were also awesome in their own terms. That they kind of it felt like they fooled Tony Khan into going, "Well, just keep doing that then, Mm -hmm. keep chasing those pops." It's like no, that pop at the first dance, was a CM Punk pop. That Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan one, Bryan Danielson ones all out with those two guys. You had the perfect heel to fit into Bullet Club and the fir- perfect wrestling babyface to save the day. That isn't just, and this is not to dig out, for example, a Keith Lee. This is not to dig out the signings no, that followed. It was no. just more, I don't know, more like analysis of the data and understanding of your fan base. Should have like read what those signings reflected rather than just, we're a signing company now. Yeah, like I loved it's greedy. I loved seeing the undisputed era reformed because I missed the undisputed era. I can now, with clarity, say that it was a big old waste of time because, I, like, ultimately, for as nice as it was for a minute, Kyler Riley, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong coming together, Adam Cole wasn't giving you the magic feeling of signing CM Punk or signing Brian yeah. Danielson. It's 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 the, it's the difference. Like right now, I know we always say this: oh, somebody becomes available, you should sign them. That conversation has gone because nobody wants more wrestlers. Dot, 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 but, but if Roman Reigns is available, you sign Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah, just context wa- is we're everything. Still, we're still, still waiting on Mercedes Monet and yeah, things
1: like that. Is Women's everything.
3: different. Women's division yeah,
2: needs yeah. stars. Uh, I think. The thing is, this is a question, right? Would you sign Will Osprey if you're Tony Khan? Would like add? Uh, he's he, the he, consent. He <laughs> he it's a redundant, <laughs> redundant <laughs> theoretical here. He is. Uh, I don't personally believe it. Right. But he is consensus either one of two things, the best wrestler in the world or the best wrestler of all time. Mm. Like people think People this. think that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't necessarily think these five-star classics, I think he's like running away with the most five-star plus from uh, Dave Meltzer, who's obviously the preeminent critic. I don't necessarily think they are going to hit the same cultural impression as the lasting cultural touchstone Impression of, like, Kabashi's work or Masawa's work or even Omega's work. Yeah. Where, where New Japan was at his hottest. But he is the very best professional wrestler in the world, according to a lot of people. I don't know if I would sign him. I, I don't. Like, why bother?
1: You don't need him. It's funny you mention all out there. Like, people
2: will kill me for that comment, but it's what I'm going back to. You would not start a wrestling promotion with the 50 best wrestlers. You would start with 10 you would start with how AEW started, and I'm not saying they did it all by this meticulous design. It just, it all fell that way. Mm. It all fell that way. If you've got the hottest six free agents, are oh, and Moxley, mm-hmm. cool. Like, there's people that aren't on the NXT radar, and they are warehousing everyone. Let's sneak them in. Derby. Um, Janelle didn't work out, but he was really hot at the yep. time. Oh, um, worthwhile. MJF. Him, yeah. yep. Like, Jungle Boy, this lad who's been in PWG for two months, quick, get him. And then you've got, like, Dustin Rhodes and stuff. He had it, mm. and you should have... Because that's like a timeless core of how you should book. Replace the names, but not the tiers, if that makes any yep. sense.
1: It's funny you mentioned. Not the
2: numbers. God damn it. It's out of control.
1: No, you, you mentioned all out. And I distinctly remember coming into work the day after that. And I was sitting down. and We might have even done a round table about it going, was this better than X7? And then you think about what that meant for WWE at the time. It was X Seven, maybe. And then, <laughs> yeah. yeah, in terms of that and yeah. what the the effect that's had. We talk obviously uh, regularly, such like like we mentioned about this bloated roster, this signing spree they went on. But it's also about misuse of talent mm-hmm. as well that they that they have or or brought in.
2: Yes, indeed. You can't use all of them, so like definitionally, a lot of them are getting misused by not being used enough yes. because they are stars and they should be all over this show. Some of them, right? Eddie Kingston, I can recall him cutting one quite long promo in AEW for a long, long time. Maybe even two. Claudio and then Jay Lethal, which is going to probably happen at an ROH show, so it doesn't really matter that much. That promo, after the Memphis Brawl with Jared, aimed at Jay Lethal, was like, don't make me buy an ROH pay-per-view, Eddie (laughs) Kingston, because I I don't really want to watch it, but you've just sold me on it, so thank you very much. Eddie Kingston should be cutting promos on Dynamite and or Collision every single week. This is a man who has been cutting seminal promos, the most convincing. I don't believe anyone in pro wrestling as much as I do Eddie Kingston when he's got this grudge. Like He's he's got that pissy New Yorker, everything's in a front vibe to him (laughs) that he could sell. You know the famous example of a terrible story where Chris Jericho spills the coffee cup on Kane? Yeah. If you're... Eddie Kingston, <laughs> he would get the coffee spilled on him and say, talk about the coffee, you did it because of this, 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 and our past. Am I invisible to
3: you, am I? Yeah, because yeah. I'm out of shape. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're
2: fr- you could spin it. And you could give him anything, and you should give him everything, and he can make a promo. Moxley barely cuts promos anymore. John Moxley 2020 was the reason why people fell in love with this product. I'm pointing at my esteemed colleague mm. here. Why aren't they cutting promos in the live arena, staring down that lens? That's pro wrestling. That's what AEW was kind of built on. I know they didn't do it for a long time, but that energy, like Cody Rhodes, Mm -hmm. like that, he felt like a cult leader when he was on those early Dynamites talking to those people. And people were drawn to it. The company was allowed to build and like somehow survive and thrive during that pandemic and reach summer 2021, where it was sort of like, Crisis is hot. Look at those ratings that the elite are drawing. Oh my God, punk's ratings. Jesus Christ, they beat raw two weeks in a row. What happened on those shows? You had punk cutting great promos. You had like baby faces who were hot, like bonding with their public in real time on those shows. You don't get that fire down the, like why it's, it used to be the promo company
3: you and now at, it's the skid company. You look at the cards on Cage Match and like you talk about these celebrated eras and some people will use the cards on Cage Match to disprove that. No. Yeah. If you were watching it, like you look at the match and it's like, well, that doesn't sound very interesting. Were well, you in it? Because yeah. every single character was hot, maybe bar one or two. And that's an incredible achievement for a pro wrestling roster to have eighty percent of the roster be people that you cannot wait to watch. <laughs> like me staying up till 1 o'clock in the morning eating cereals <laughs> because there was an 80% chance that the first wrestler out there was going to be somebody I loved. And it's 1 in the morning, and I know I wasn't alone in the UK because, like, Twitter was alive with people staying up to watch, you know. I think they're, those cards at the time... You, you don't need to look at, like, the match ratings or even some of the people that were in the matches. You just need to go
1: back and watch the show and look at the energy from those crowds that were desperate to get out for live wrestling. We, w- we, we watched just the other day. It's very different because it's the literally the first ever show. Yeah, but the reaction Jake Hager gets when he hits the ring... Oh, my God, it's the yeah. roof comes off the blitz. It's
2: ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That's a really good point to make now. Uh, what happened the last two weeks? Uh, this week, we got Cassidy uh, versus Claudio Castagnoli. The week before... the one great match on Dynamite was uh, Orange and uh, Accorder Accorder, yeah. versus Danielson and Claudio. <laughs> you could put that graphic and say this match was great. It was much better than Carl um, Anderson versus John Moxley from um, Fighter Fest 2021. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Technically, the work was better. You could probably write, if you muted Carl Anderson versus John Moxley, you'd go, Gentleman's three. Mm-hmm. It probably was. That feeling of the company because you know john moxley's the character is on fire that much and it's not as technically brilliant as the lucha tinged um exchanges between claudio and orange but my god those people believed in john moxley those people bought a ticket to see john moxley and that match just becomes this cauldron inferno Mm. because the vibe was there and then one of the key reasons why that vibe was there is that you haven't completely normalized what it means to do a great wrestling match. Um, you haven't completely signed every available talent, used every single import, struck a relationship with CML just to get Mystico in. Like, you haven't done everything You've just made your biggest wrestler feel like everything.
3: It's the it's all stuff at the expense of the crumbling framework. The framework that used to basically like underpin everything mm. in AW. We like luxuriated in the small details of the what? Like I was gonna say three star, but then Dave went three and a half on punk and joe. But the two to three star CM Punk television matches in 2021 and early 2022 not because they were absolute mat classics but because in the moment you were watching a guy shake off the ring rust you were watching him apply tiny details to a story in which he knew that he'd walked into a company where he had to win for example 15 matches to get close to a title shot
2: and he had a sharp and the hell up as yeah, well like he couldn't against be as, all the young guys he did put over he did
3: couldn't be as knackered as he was in that first match against Darby Allen it's like right okay I need to improve my cardio and watch me do it watch me show that I can put these young guys in a place with a power slam all of these little details about winning, for example 15 matches because he accepts the rankings as the reason to go to work to get back up to win the belt. En route through those rankings he encounters an Eddie Kingston who there's a lot of bad blood with. He encounters an MJF who basically has told the world, well we don't need CM Punk because I'm MJF and I'm here and then on the way you have all these things that follow right the way through to him getting the title shot and then I don't want to talk about it. But like, (laughs) because that becomes (laughs) its own problem, but like that initial story that is not littered with these classics but they are AW content Classics because there is a star uh, contributing to the rankings, contributing to the framework, and the matches feed into it. And we, as fans, have got such faith in this framework that we understand what he's doing. And, you and can we invest in that. a match. And we invest
2: in a match like CM Punk versus John Silver. That isn't very good. Or maybe
3: uh, CM Punk
2: versus QT Marshall. Yeah, not good at all. No, but you just want to watch the star on the journey that gets them to yeah. the destination that you want to pay for.
1: Yeah. It's a means to an end, isn't it? And uh, we, we talked about a lot of this as well, Sige, um, with regards to reports recently about frustration within AEW, uh, about, you know, last minute, not necessarily last minute changes, just even just last minute decisions being made about things going forward. And one of the things you always used to bang the drum for is the, uh, the, the breadcrumbs that, the, because they knew, like you say, Long term, Hangman Page is going to be Kenny Omega, who's who's going to take the title off John Moxley via a heel turn, for example. Because they knew that's where they're going in six months to a year or whatever, we can sprinkle some bits in that and the, the eagle-eyed people can either spot it at the time or go, Oh, actually, if you look back, there's a picture of Don Callis or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. <laughs> With the, with the last-minute nature of it all, it's understandable. A, with Tony Khan not only having Fulham and the Jacksonville Jaguars and all that, but now not just having Dynamite, not just having Dynamite and Rampage or, you know, Dark or Dark Elevation, but Collision and Ring of Honor as well.
2: Battle of the friggin' Belts. Battle of the
1: Belts. It's, it's incredibly stretched, and they also don't want these leaks to go out to dirt sheets or whatever it may be in... I, in
3: I I won't have that like when they're if people are leaking things and they're the things you are excited to watch the leaks just get you like glued to the TV because Mm. you want to see oh has that story been talked about that sounds great I want to watch that play out on television because right now it's just words in the Wrestling Observer I I do not buy that as a like personally I think that's like I think they do it but for the wrong reasons yeah oh the leaks have been done politically but like a leak of a cool story like Wrestling Company is going to put cool story you want to watch well I think I'll tune in then to see that play out you know yeah I don't understand their
2: mentality but I do believe that it's as frantic as they say Day yeah. to day,
1: but do you think? What do you think? He's lost the locker room in, in amongst all this, or
2: I think he's lost locker room because if you turn up and you don't know what you have to do for work, or what the rules are, it's really like really frustrating. And if you don't know, like if you're going to get booked, if you're going to be jumping on that trampoline. You're going to be jumping on that figurative <laughs> trampoline. You're going to be, bug, Terry. You're going to be like pretty despondent. You're going to like fret. Well, is it just me? Um, does that mean that? Tony Khan hasn't got me figured into his plans for the next three to six months. If he only cares about me today, that's going to foster frustration. Again, the narrative, sorry, the narrative ecosystem. Like, you cannot, you cannot do what you did in the months leading up to May 2019 with this many uh, wrestlers on the roster in this little amount of time. And because these wrestlers aren't getting like, a clue, apparently, allegedly, reportedly, whatever, about what they are doing until showtime, they're just going to get disillusioned and despondent and they're going to lose belief in themselves because they think, oh, I'm not really, I can't be worth much if they don't have any big long-term plans for me. So, Daniel Garcia's X slash Twitter likes are an odyssey. MGF tweeted and deleted something at time of recording the night before this. Danhausen, Quote, uh, did a tweet <laughs> quoting the CM Punk, show. the show, yeah. <laughs> Quote tweeted that, um, on his Instagram story, that CM Punk mm-hmm. tweet, um, of this poop ain't fun anymore. And um, sorry, I had a point to make, I was going to make it. Um, Danhausen's Housen's cursed your point, Danhausen has cursed my point.
1: I'll say something quickly as well. What was the
2: original... Has he lost the dressing room? Has he
1: lost, has he lost the locker room? God oh, damn it,
2: something. I had these notes and everything. and I had another point to make and I've lost it. You can talk for a bit and I'll but try I'll and remember. I'll say this,
3: right? The, I always think about that like graphic as well of the four first champions. Our producer, Adam Nicholas, made two of my favourite fan-made videos ever by wrestling fans of the uh, CM Punk and MJF story and of Hangman Page's Quest for oh, the title. yes! Set to Johnny Cash's hearse. It's Adam Nicholas on X for both of those, right? You can't do that in AEW anymore. You simply cannot. Imagine trying to do that for, like, I'm not digging him out. I love him. But imagine trying to do that for MJF versus Jay White. You can't do it. You can't make a video that means that much, let alone if you went and got the footage, tried to tether it together and be like, oh, I can't need to leave that bit out. If I put that in, it uh, doesn't make sense anymore. Or like the Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley. You know, like, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy? What's the real story here anymore? Like, th- and those are two examples that will be focused upon. M. Jeff and John Moxley will absolutely have their, a lot of their creative in advance. They'll have a lot of input into the creative. But when the system is just broken, or there's, like, too much damage done to how it used to work, imagine the life of the mid-carder and mm. the undercarder and the tag team and the frigging women's division. Well, what is, chance do you have? Well, what I, what I, I mean. wanted
1: to say was, was I, I, I talked about this on, on X the other day and got a, a response you would anticipate. The Santana and Ortiz feud, right? From what I've seen of it, looks absolutely fantastic. And to a certain extent, I understand they're keeping that on Rampage because they want people to tune into Rampage. That ship sailed for me. It like, sailed
2: for too many people for them to care about realistically. Yeah. And even
1: if it hasn't, do something about it on Dynamite, the most watched show you have every single week. I get it. I saw the stuff of Santana and Ortiz being shared on, on YouTube and on on uh, social media and things like that. But get have a, a video package. Three minutes on dynamite to say you need to tune in on Friday for the no DQ match or, or whatever you want to do. And it, it frustrated me that I was just on Twitter on Thursday night the other week and that dropped. And I was like, oh, it's the big blow offs happening. I didn't even realize that was where they were in this story. I had no knowledge of anything like this going on. And I think that, that's the point. Sometimes you can be presumably frustrated as a talent because they go, right, we do like this, but we're going to, it's going to be on rampage. And I get that you want people to go back and start watching that again. but, you and I invested hours and hours and hours watching and analysing that show. And even though we do this as our job, there's only so many hours in the day, Sitch.
2: Yes. I, it's just two more things I want to point out, right? And one can it happen now that the second has happened, okay? okay. I, hopefully I can get this in order. One of my favourite AEW moments ever is something I would gather... of people have completely forgotten about, right? It is a little quirky video package. It might have even been on a road to in 2020, not on Dynamite, where Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, having shared the whiskey and the milk Mm -hmm. um, at uh, the original Stadium Stampede, are like, oh, they're on really good terms, and all's great, and they're champions. And they have a little sit-down, and they're building their match with best friends, Right. And there's this jangly, quirky music playing. And uh, it's a really simple, daft story of who are the better friends? Is it best friends or is it Kenny and Hangman? And um, Trent deadpans, they don't even drink the same drink. Our team name is best (laughs) friends. I think we're the best friends. (laughs) And we've got the better tag team chemistry. And that's why we're going to win the titles. Like even with this frivolous tone, they still try to sell you on a wrestling match. And who might win and who might not? Uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega are having this conversation. And, like, Kenny Omega's gently, you know, ribbing his pal. Mm. Um, and he says, I can count the drinking buddies you have on one hand to Hangman. And Page is like, oh, we don't really have that much in common. And, oh, that sucks. Mm. Two weeks later. <laughs> you just called me a friendless loser. Yes. Thanks, Kenny. <laughs> a friendless loser who drinks and my friends don't. Ah, <laughs> oh, and I need a drink because I've got these, you know... Confidence problems and anxieties and all the rest of it. Two weeks later, or maybe even a week later, and they retain the titles, skin of their teeth. But then Kenny wants to team in a trios match against Jurassic Express on um, Dynamite. And Paige is like, ah, it's you three again, being better than me a bit and being closer. I'm going to draw my sorrows in a bar. FTR have noticed, having watched the product, that Paige doesn't have any drinking buddies. So they... Go and join them at the bar to have a drink. Be his new drinking buddies because they are pursuing the AEW titles and they think Paige and Omega, they, they're no joke. We kind of need to destroy them and split them in half before we can win the titles. This doesn't happen now.
3: Imagine that, Dax. Ha <laughs> ha I ain't no master manipulator, but I am. Yeah, that's that
2: not <laughs> That level of detail just no longer exists. And as I said, point two makes point one impossible. Point two, sometimes it is as simple and I've seen it in football. I've seen film directors do this. I have seen it in every bit of medium. I've seen musicians be great, and then what the fuck are you putting out now? Maybe it is as simple for whatever reason. The burnout, the workload, whatever reason, maybe Tony Connor's just lost the plot that and, that's and it. it's sometimes it's like horribly simple as that's that that's every book or other as well and, and I, that's, that's, we're not he even you know, we're not, cannot, we're not for that. you know we cannot articulate right there. it there might not be any big insight maybe it's just the brain has fried a bit mm. maybe that's all it is the plot has
1: been lost I, I don't want to you know be completely negative it's not all bad news for aew I want to finish this on a on a an inspiring note or a happier note say not really um, <laughs> No, 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 no! no. that might be some good news. That might. now MJF's uh, record breaking world championship reign. You've got potential young bucks going heel again, swerve. We often praise week in, week out. Good real, concern. real potential there. But generally, Siege can AW be salvaged?
2: Oh. If there was like an off season in wrestling, if there was a point at which the wrestling promoter, the people he surrounds himself with, who, what they're doing, I don't know at this point genuinely, uh, the wrestlers, if there was an off season where everyone could just whoo, reflect, let's have a break, just relax, decompress, we can then sort of have a, a, a referendum, what is going wrong, what went wrong with our season, mm, if you're mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. Like a football team or whatever, or if you're a writing staff on a sitcom, think, where are all the characters, right? Let's get everything written down for how they behaved and all the rest of it. What does that character want? What is that character's motivation? What are the circumstances we can create that can test that character's motivation? If you could just do that for like a month, like a month or two, and then you can think, right, okay, we could really do something and think about it and create this vast, really cool, intricate episodic TV program, right? Without that, I really do think they are going to struggle. They are going to struggle big time. Part of the problem as well is that they've done everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I've said it a million times. How could you possibly anticipate a debut like you did CM Punk's? Everything. Everything is going to feel like a return diminished Mm. from that. And, you know, it's not their fault that we're so great for so long. And maybe people have been calloused to how good it was maybe we are spoiled in the extreme that's certainly a word i've used many times and it really is worth bearing repeating here without that ability to introspect and just let's see where we've been really dwell on that and then we can see where this character's going you could also decide without that oh i've just seen this amazing match and it was great for us Justified. this is awesome chance. <laughs> and I want him to wrestle next week. If you don't have that recency bias as a booker and Tony Khan, like, again, I don't think he does half of this on purpose. No. no. I think he's just, like, really enthusiastic about it. Um, maybe without that th- sort of total intense, oh, my God, I love it, sign him to a deal. It's like, is that the right idea, Tony? Because you don't need that person to wrestle. Uh, oh, sorry, I've already got the graphic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe without that, he could... Settle down and calm down and do it, right? I don't know is the answer, Will Bourne. I think that the fact that... Uh, who wants Paul White? Who wants Paul White? Not me. Who wants that? Who's suggesting that to Tony Khan? I'll leave that unsaid.
1: And it's supergroups. It's
2: supergroups, yeah, yeah. Who is asking for Paul White? Did you ask for Paul White? No. Uh, uh, Michael Hampton, did you ask for Paul White? No. Nicholas... Exactly. <laughs> who did? I don't want to say it out loud. Yeah. Because I don't know for sure. But I've got a fairly certain idea of who pitched the uh, Return of Jericho. Um, <laughs> he got that was the
3: kind start. of literally the last guy <laughs> yeah, to ask for yeah, Yes. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Like, maybe he didn't. Yeah. Maybe it was Tony's idea. And he liked 2009 WWE. Yeah. Never said that, by the way, when he was um doing his messaging. He said, oh, WCW was great for a while. Maybe we can recapture that energy. I was a big fan of Mid-South wrestling. That is on record as a quote. When Tony Khan was first sort of getting himself out there in the media and telling people like sort of jaded hardcore fans
3: who maybe didn't think, you know. Yeah, believe my credentials sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Look at
2: my CV. I liked Mid-South Wrestling. Mid-South Wrestling is this fabled thing, Mm -hmm. right? Who's advising him? What does he really want out of this anymore? Like, I don't know. I really don't know. And what's the identity of this promotion because it's not this broad skit-based thing. I think that some of it's been really quite funny, right? A lot of it's been absolutely shit, and I don't think that is what people signed up for when they read the brochure of AEW. Um, I just think that maybe the plot's been lost, maybe it's stretched too thin, maybe the house is too messy, maybe there's too many wrestlers. To re- Could you do a good wrestling promotion with this many wrestlers and use all of them to their maximum ability? No, because yet again, the narrative ecosystem is broken. I think a lot of contracts would have to expire, and I hope to hell that the billionaire continues that practice even if he doesn't use a lot of these wrestlers on TV because I would never ever campaign even no. though it would be you know I would never campaign You AEW could use fewer wrestlers right like Anything, like oxygen, it could need fewer wrestlers. I would never suggest, and please don't ever conflate, I would never suggest that they fire them. Let Mm. the contracts expire, everyone agreed to the deal, and that's as fair as it can get in capitalism, right, okay? Without a lot of these things happening, I think the house is too messy. And what really saddens me, and I say none of this podcast with glee, I'm sorry, I'll let you talk in a minute. I say none of this with glee, right? I think one of the reasons why I've been so, like, exacting with my criticisms, so pedantic, even when it was like really good in 2022. I could maybe feel like something like this was in the water and was happening. One of the reasons why I've been so... Hold it to the highest standard imaginable because they will, as Hamlet always said from day one, they will happily sleepwalk into every bad decision. There's too many titles in AEW. Why? Because there's too many stars and he has to accommodate them with the uh, with a new title or whatever, right? There's too many wrestlers and you have to protect them. So there's too many um, interferences and all the rest of it, right? And I say, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. I've seen too much of that for 20 years. I do not care about the heel who does that. And I get really wound up. And one of the, the big reason I get so... Please better be good and if it's crap I will really try and go two-footed on them and when it's great I will with genuine earnest passion praise it to the hill cuz I'm so glad it exists is because Tony Khan is a unicorn right he is a billionaire's kid who's extremely intelligent or was <laughs> I mean how can you sign Ric Flair on the, the uh, 24 hours after you say all in tickets are on sale yeah what like, that's why I'm saying the plot might have been lost here, and that gives me no pleasure to say whatsoever, right? He's a unicorn. He is a billionaire's kid who was very smart, or was very smart, who had, like, amazing taste, who could book, and at his goddamn best, I will never, ever say, or let anyone else for that matter say he couldn't book. Oh, you know, Cody Rhodes had, or MGF and CM Punk had their own creative. He's the booker, and he goddamn deserves respect for telling those great stories that he did. He's a great matchmaker, and he, or he arrived in this industry at a point in time where it was the only time it could have happened. Like this tiny little window yeah. opened, right? And it's like, WWE's finished at the point. Um, TV, like there's so many things that have to happen at the same time for all of this to have worked. TV industry gets desperate to the rise of streaming services, right? They realized that sport, which ironically, given Vince McMahon's entire life philosophy... <laughs> Is considered by the TV industry as this sports adjacent DVR proof.
3: Yeah, he couldn't believe thing. his luck. Like he talked everybody he was awesome. television. We're, we're Sopranos, sopranos. <laughs> we're King of the Hill. Yes. Uh, we're football now.
2: We're, we're <laughs> football, we're, we're DVR football. proof. <laughs> so you get this window where you have got this desperate TV industry that is so desperate that they think, hmm. Uh, Maybe we're just joking for like the last 50 years. Uh, Maybe wrestling fans do have a bit of money. Maybe (laughs) they aren't stupid pooers who we do not dare advertise a car in front of because they don't even know how to spell the word car, let alone afford to purchase one.
3: It was Chef Boyardee, wasn't it? They'll eat pasta in tins while wrestling (laughs) fans. That's what the the advertising industry thinks of you, 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 you,
2: and even that handsome bastard over there <laughs> with his amazing taste and his lovely keyside flat, okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, there's n- if it was so improbable, and it was for a Tony Khan to exist right in the first place under these conditions, you'll never get another one. <laughs> you are not getting another Tony Khan, and you're left with this monopoly in WWE with its brand value. That it's the best thing that stupid ass company ever did was put that brand front and center and legitimize itself and to position it above wrestling I'm a sports entertainment. And they, it, it's stupid. No one's ever said going to the sports entertainment show, but they're also not stupid because if they can disassociate themselves with wrestling, that's how they get. That's how they succeeded, thrived, and won. Right? There'll never be another Tony Khan. And if you look as well, this is why it's scary at the the Fox News. And did you see what? Yeah, you seen yeah. this. You heard about this? About why they didn't continue? It wasn't enough. It wasn't, it wasn't enough. enough. It, wasn't enough. It, was, it wasn't enough. Number one on the demo, pretty much every single Friday night in the slot, uh, still didn't get enough for the advertisers. Like I, you, you, people need this to work. Otherwise, you. F- there'll be other wrestling, yeah. and that'll be uh, nice. Maybe you could even get a streaming service. Maybe you could even do an NWA that still survives. Right. You could watch it in front of 1,000 people. You'll never get all in. You'll never get Forbidden Door with, like, that one count and everyone in Toronto going absolutely crazy because um, Omega's just kicked out the one-winged angel from Will Ospreay at one. You'll never get that backdrop again. I don't think... If if AEW fails, you're never getting that backdrop again. So, God damn it. Like, they need... I don't know if they necessarily can bring it all back, Will born. But, God damn it, they need to because this would be it.
3: I'm pretty optimistic it will, but because uh, the Fed came good again in '97, right? It did. But based on that, and based on my lived experience, never switching this off. Strap yourself in for some pretty years. Like I thought you r- say
1: the Fed came good. It took twenty years, but the Fed came. Not good. even that
3: one. No, no, no. Yeah, not the that first one. one. Yeah, the first one. Like the Fed came good again unexpectedly in like '97. Not even in '96 when he frigging won the King of the Ring in 1997 when Vince McMahon a year later caught up with his own product. The dumbass. Like. It, I just believe it, like cockroaches and pro wrestling. I kind of am a believer in that, you know, about Armageddon comes and it's the last these things that exist. So I think it will, but I, um, I'm i seeing more and more people in, you know, as we always say, curated timelines, bubbles, all that sort of thing, saying Wednesday night used to be Destination Television. I kind of sometimes forget to catch up. It's great because they listen to our podcasts or whatever, but like they're just, they're not in it in the way that they used to be. And I lived through that in the 90s of people that weren't in it and then suddenly were again because wrestling got hot. I think it's different to then in the sense that AEW will probably get a very uh, satisfactory television deal. So back then, they were taking the water coolers out of Titan Tower. That's This could go out of business. I don't think AEW's got that as a threat, so I don't think we need to talk about it in financial terms. I think we are having this conversation as fans. We're talking about it from a... We're talking about the art. A create, yeah, the yeah. art, a creative standpoint. The business is going nowhere. AEW will just sit and it will exist. But will people watch it and feel it and enjoy it? Possibly not. Like, we will still review it. There will be flashpoints just like there was in the friggin' new generation. Check it out. But, like, there is a lot of reasons why that product is simply not connecting. And then one day it does again. That star, that story, that momentum, the whole thing That builds. zeitgeist. Yeah, like the rising tide that raises all the ships. Uh, it will come again. It will. Um, but I don't think after four years, it, like, I don't imagine. That in itself is a problem. Yeah, like, It's a I, long time to get bored by. Yeah. Like, I,
2: involuntarily, Bored by it.
3: I don't imagine they like they thought after four years on the precipice of, so they signed the new deal in early 2020, was it? Yes. I don't think they imagined at the end of the that current deal, and were excited for our new deal, they knew they were going to get more money because they were confident that product yeah. would have succeeded. Pandemic included. You know, when you think that would have killed the business, you know, I don't imagine they would have thought, well, when renewal time for this deal comes around, nobody's going to like us anymore. I still think they would have thought in good faith that this is still going to be this cool alternative, this new thing. And it's just lost its way. It's in how cool s- it's Giza you know, In so many different directions, it's lost its way. I, for all... Like, I'm making this comparison. I'm a total hypocrite. Because I don't like the comparisons to WCW and TNA. Old people are coming in. That's what happened in WCW. Bad comedy is coming in. That's what happened in TNA. I think those comparisons are too broad. And I think they miss the mm-hmm. point. I think that those... WCW was destined to be an old people place. Because ultimately, that was what helped them get to the promised land. TNA was destined to be a comedy thing. Because it was frigging called total non-stop action because they couldn't say tits and ass it was kind of that from its inception from its early success so those things were always destined to go that way All Elite Wrestling was not destined Mm. to become the Geezer City to become the the comedy and the skits and all that it has just found its way there through a bunch of separated and isolated situations there will be a character there will be one great voice in the room that will inspire a character there will be a wrestler that we haven't yet even seen debut there will be something there will be a Steve Austin 1996 King the ring something eventually will hit wrestling wrestling will never tap out to itself wrestling will never go away and AEW is and this is where again where i was wrong about the company thing it is moneyed enough to not have to go away the water coolers won't be taken out of tony Khan's office or whatever it will be there i just don't we can't see what solves the problems because the thing that solves the problems doesn't yet exist we're not yet there's more problems to come. I'm really sorry. Oh, like, yeah, there it is. This gets a lot worse before it gets better, but I have belief that it will one
1: day get better, but we might be talking in terms of years. Well, let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed in the comment section. Continue the conversation with us on Twitter, X, at WhatCultureWWE. And I do hope that everyone realizes this has come from a good place. No bad faith takes here. As I mentioned, Michael Sidgwick wrote a book about this company.
2: They couldn't pay me to write a book uh, which was my lifelong dream and ambition about WWE Monday Night Raw in the era of 2009. Even if the objective was to say, bury it for 100,000 words, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I would have done this for free. That's the lie. But I really enjoyed writing it, <laughs> and I uh, loved it.
3: Uh, Idea for a book pitch?
1: entirely. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> ha- after January 30th. Imagine the rewatch. Oh. The punishing oh, rewatch. Let well, us know your thoughts anyway. At What Culture on X, uh, where you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at <laughs> M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilburn. Follow our brilliant producer at It's Adam Nicholas. Uh, and subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. But for now, this has been Get at the Table. My thanks to Hamlet Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.